Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Hello, and welcome to Authentic Living. This is Andrea Matthews. Well, tomorrow's the day, guys. Yep, many of us are going back home to family and friends, but let's be honest. Some of us look forward to this, and some of us don't. And some of us look forward to all kinds of rosy hopes and dreams, only to be disappointed yet again that family and friends just can't seem to relate in a healthy way. We've made the ritual of Thanksgiving into a time for family and friends, mostly because that's what the first pilgrims did. Somehow they'd survived. They'd managed to get all the way to America, and they've survived their first years. So they gathered together as often they did for meals, and they celebrated their survival with a bountiful feast and gave thanks to Providence. And so that's what we do. Only many of us don't really enjoy it, and in fact, some of us dread it. How many people are preparing that meal right now, building resentment in their hearts because no one is helping or because they hate doing it but feel that they have to? Okay, I won't go on and on with this theme because I really don't want to depress you. But if we're honest... This time of gratitude is not always all that it's cracked up to be, right? Right. And in truth, that's the way it is with finding an attitude of gratitude. Gratitude is hard to come by in a world in which there seems to be so much that's wrong. But even if things are right, we tend to take things for granted. So now we have people like Rhonda Byrne, the author of The Secret, telling us that without developing an attitude of gratitude, we can't really develop or manifest our own abundance. That's kind of scary. So for those of us who are already spiritually inclined, that makes sense, though it's still hard to do. But for those of us who either struggle with a spirituality that is replete with shoulds and shouldn'ts and good and evil, coming up with gratitude because it's the right thing to do is a bit of a struggle. This show is going to be all about gratitude, but it won't offer you a single should, and it won't tell you that there are dire consequences for you if you're not grateful. So if you struggle with the shoulds and shouldn'ts, or if you're afraid that if you don't develop gratitude, you won't ever be happy, sit back and listen, or call in and ask a question. This show is for you. If you don't struggle with those things, then this show will simply serve as a reminder. And if you're like me, you need a lot of those. So, okay, what is gratitude? Gratitude is simply an awareness that what we have is, is good. It has value to us. It has worth to us. We enjoy it. We can receive it. We can accept it. So that is what I'm defining today as gratitude. It's not necessarily defined by saying the words thank you. It's not necessarily defined by any period of prayer or what we call thanksgiving. But it is defined by a feeling, an awareness that says, I know that this thing is good. This person, this relationship, this thing, this... um, material possession, whatever, is a good thing for me. Do we have to have a God to be grateful to in order to be grateful? No, we don't. Um, Some people believe in a God, some people don't. But the attitude of gratitude that we're talking about, like I said, is a feeling, an awareness that says, 
okay, I received this thing that I've been given. I'm consciously allowing myself to recognize the value of this thing that I have. So it doesn't matter whether you think that these things that you have, your possessions, your relationships, your life, your intelligence, your health, your whatever, comes to you randomly, or whether you think it comes to you by the power of some divine source. It doesn't matter. What we're talking about today is that feeling that accepts that what you have is good. It has value for you. But why would we even bother with trying to have that feeling? What, what, what difference does it make whether or not we uh, can feel that feeling of, of gratitude? Well, the difference that it makes is that it makes us aware. You know, it makes us aware. And awareness is everything. How we see what we see is everything. And if I, I, I can look at the same circumstance and see it as bad or as good, you know, the old adage about the cup being half full or half empty, well, it's true. How we see that cup is everything. And an attitude of gratitude is an attitude in which we can see the cup as half full. And it recognizes that these things that we have didn't have to come to us. These uh, circumstances that we live are in didn't have to come to us. Just like we could say, why did that drunk driver hit me and wreck my car and endanger my family or even uh, injure my family or me? Why did that bad thing happen? We can also say, why are these good things happening? We rarely do, let's face it. But we could if we chose to. And if we had to ask that question, why do these, these happy circumstances come my way, well then we have to consider that maybe um, they came to us because. Or we could say, well, they came to me randomly, but I still like them. Okay? So that's one perspective. The other perspective is that uh, sometimes we can consider even the things that are considered bad to have value as well. And often we get that through past tense. We look back on an event and we say, okay, this, this thing happened and it was not so good. And I, I wanted, at the time I didn't want it and at the time I thought it was really horrible and it was a sad event for me and I had to go through all kinds of pain and agony. But I look back on it now and I'm really grateful that that happened because I learned so much during that time. I certainly have events like that in my life and I bet we all do. But we rarely stop to consider them. We go through the bumps and rolls and punches of life, and we just don't really think much about it. That's what we mean when we say we take things for granted, whether they're what we call good things or whether, we, whether they're what we call bad things. They are the events, circumstances, relationships, and material things in our lives and our own health and our own intelligence, et cetera, et cetera. They, they do belong to us in some sense of that, uh, in sense of the word belonging. And once they belong to us, then we can see them as a good thing or a bad thing. I, and we often do. We do divide up our, our um, realities into terms of good or bad. As a matter of fact, I think that's something that we call, I would call the good-evil complex. We look at all of life in those terms. We consider it as um, it's a good thing. Food tastes good or it tastes bad. Um, today's a good day or it's a bad day, I'm having a good hair day or a bad hair day, et cetera, et cetera. Everything is divided into 
those two categories, and that's such a narrow view of the realities of our lives that, that things fall down into one of two places in our psyches. And what we're talking about today, this whole thing of gratitude sort of expands that and, and sort of breaks down the walls between good and bad and, and lets us experience life from a framework where we're not really saying that's a good thing or a bad thing, but really saying, well, that's my thing. That's the thing that belongs in my life. There it is. So what am I going to do with it? And so that's what we're talking about today. You know, Cicero said gratitude is not only the the greatest of virtues, but the parent of all others. Now, that is kind of a strange statement. We think of love as being the parent of all other virtues, but here Cicero tells us that gratitude is the parent of all other virtues. And we have to think about that, stop and think, what in the world did he mean by that? Well, I can't tell you what Cicero meant because I don't know the man, but I do think that we can consider what we mean by that And since I'm the one talking today, I'm going to tell you what I think about it. I think that Cicero was trying to say that when we recognize uh, and accept and receive the circumstances, relationships, people, events in our lives, what we're doing is saying that this is my life and I receive it. We're embracing it, the modern-day term for that. We're receiving uh, our lives and saying, okay, this belongs to me and I'm going to really uh, be a part of it. I'm going to really take it in. Now, does that mean that we're happy all the time? No, but it does mean that I'm going to receive that that is mine. I'm going to take it in. I'm going to experience it. I'm going to be present with it. I'm going to uh, appreciate it, appreciate its value, um, take from it the gifts it has to give me. That's what That is what is parented by gratitude. If I can stop and just reflect on what really does belong to me, and oftentimes what doesn't even belong to me, the things that I get to be a part of that don't belong to me, but I can really be a part of them, even that is a way of accepting my life on life's terms. You know, um, Alcoholics Anonymous has taught us all a lot of little adages and a lot of wisdom that we can spread around for the rest of us that aren't alcoholics to really benefit from. And one of the things they talk about is accepting life on life's terms instead of trying to get life to be on your terms. And that's one of the things that they promote in recovering alcoholics and, of course, addicts as well. Um, And the whole idea is that life is what it is. And uh, sitting around whining about it isn't going to help it. As a matter of fact, for an alcoholic or drug addict, it might only help them relapse. So when we say, I'm accepting life on life's terms, what we're saying is, I'm going to receive that. I'm going to take that in. I'm going to experience that, and I'm going to take its gift. You know, there's lots of things that happen to us in our lives that I think are kind of like gifts under the Christmas tree that never get opened. They sit there and they get gathered dust and, the, you know, the ribbons begin to rot and we never open them because we don't think they're good. We think they're not good for us, so we just let them sit there. And uh, very often, one of, the, one of the things that I find to be most therapeutic when I'm working with a client in my practice is, is to help them begin to see, uh, you know, what did you get from that? What do you think you got from that experience? Did you get anything from that? 
And, of course, at first they go, yeah, a lot of pain. And, <laughs> you know, and that's true. They did get that. That is true. But let's look a little more and see what else you gain from that experience. I remember somebody that came to see me many, many years ago when I first started my practice. Um, and uh, Well, actually, when I first started in the field. Uh, and uh, uh, she said to me that she'd been married to somebody for a long time. She felt like she'd wasted all those years um, because she really didn't love him. She really didn't want to be with him anymore. And she said that several times. She kept coming back in and saying that same thing over and over again, and she sort of was stuck there, and we heard the record repeating. So we began to work on that and, and, and began, to ha began to help her be ask the question, what did I get from that? And as time went by, she began to realize what she got. And we're going to talk about what she got right after the break. We'll be back in just a moment. This is Andrea Matthews with Authentic Living. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T, with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. When I found out my jeans were made using child labor and sweatshops, I wrote a letter to the company saying, reconsider your labor practices. A few months later, I get a letter back saying, thanks for being a loyal customer, and they included a coupon for a 25% discount on their jeans. So I got smart, wrote letters every day to all the stores that carry the brand, asking them to stop supporting the companies who use child labor and sweatshops. And I just kept getting letters back, thanking me for my concerns, and more coupons for more discounts on more jeans. So I'm telling my friend about it, and she flips out, saying that between all the letters and coupons, some paper company cut down a small forest, driving off two indigenous tribes, hundreds of endangered animals, killing thousands of plant species, some of which may have contained vaccines for HIV, cancer, and syphilis. Meanwhile, the guys cutting down the trees are 13-year-old kids who work night and day for months just to save up enough money to buy a pair of jeans made by child labor in sweatshops. Saving the world isn't easy, but saving a life is. Just one pint of blood can save up to three lives. Visit bloodsaves.com to learn more. This public service announcement was brought to you by the Ad Council. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 
1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Welcome back. This is Andrea Matthews with Authentic Living, brought to you by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. We were talking just before the break about uh, somebody that I talked with several years ago who had had an experience of being married to someone for many years that she did not love and felt that um, she had wasted all those years. And we, I began to challenge her to consider what she might have gained from that experience of being with that person for so many years. And um, she went back home and, and did her homework assignment and came back the next week and said, you know, I've got it, I understand it, I get it. And I said, well, what was it? What did you gain from, that, from those years that you were with your husband who you didn't love? And she said, well, I figured out that, you know, I came from this really, really dysfunctional home and uh, where there's a lot of abuse and, 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 and I married this man who was very, very safe. He would never hit me, he would never hurt me, and while I didn't love him and we really had this very stagnant relationship, I was safe all those years, and it gave me time to find myself. And as I found myself, I began to say, okay, it's time for me to launch my life, and that's when I decided to divorce him and move on. So since she began to see that this thing was a gift, this, this marriage that she felt was such a mistake was a gift. When you consider life from that way, you have to really sort of break down those walls between the good category and the bad category and say, okay, what is a mistake really? What is that? You see, what we're talking about is a philosophy of living that makes us really have to reconsider what life really is about. Is it just uh, the sum total of all the goods and all the bads in your life? Is it the sum total of all the mistakes you made measured against all the good deeds you did? Is it uh, this, the number of prayers you said or, the, or the, uh, the number of lies you told? What is it? What is life really all about? And what is your philosophy? Because I think your philosophy of life is going to make a huge difference about whether or not you're able to develop an attitude of gratitude. One of the things that I've discovered over the years, and this is just Andrea Matthews' philosophy, you don't have to agree with it, um, but I, it w- it, I would challenge you to come up with your own because I think that's very, very helpful to really have a philosophy that works for you. My philosophy is that we get lots of chances. We come back here again and again and again. And while we may make the same mistake over and over again, as Thomas More said in, in our um, show last week, we may cycle and circle around the same material over and over again, but all of that is part of the process of just being a soul. It's part of the experience of being a soul and living a soulful life. So if it's true, and who knows, I haven't died and come back that I know of that I can remember, so I can't really say for sure whether reincarnation is a fact or not can't really say whether or not heaven or hell are a fa- is a fact. I can't say that the bardos are a fact, uh, the Buddhist bardos. I, I can't tell you for sure what is a fact, but I have a philosophy, and the philosophy is that if we come here many, many times, then if I make some mistakes in this life, okay, I get another shot at it. And that's part of it. The other part is that maybe my mistakes 
aren't even really mistakes. Maybe they're just part of my process of waking up to who I really am. And that waking up process might take many, many lifetimes. It might just take one lifetime, or it might take many lifetimes. I can't give you the answer. These are mysteries that I will not be able to define for you, and each person has to develop their own philosophy about it. But our philosophy does help us to come to terms with accepting life on life's terms instead of trying to get life to work on our terms. So the other philosophy that I have that I've developed as uh, a part of my therapeutic practice is a recognition that suffering as we know it is a part of our waking up process. So I might have a client that would come in to see me and tell me about horrible problems in their lives. Now I could say to myself, well, it's my job as a therapist to pick up these problems and fix them for this person. But in fact, if I did that, if I were able to pick up their problems, take them away, and just say, okay, you go home now, I've got your problems, then what would happen is that person would stop growing. Now, maybe there'll come a time when, in, in our evolutionary process when we will be able to grow without pain. But right now, it seems to be a real part of our process of, call it evolution, call it growth, call it awakening, call it whatever you want to call it, but there is something that's happening as we sort of churn through the waters of our lives and um, stuff comes up and we look at it. So suffering is a part of that. And that, the, the pain we feel as a part of a particular event in our lives is coming to talk to us. It's an, an emotion that's coming up to talk to us about our lives and about what's going on there and how much someone meant to, meant to us as we, were, as we lived with them and perhaps lost them. Um, it, it gives us an opportunity at that moment, if we've lost a loved one and we're in pain and grieving that loved one, it gives us an opportunity for that gratitude that says, I'm so glad I got to be with this person for as long as I could. That does not erase the pain. It does not say that that pain is pleasant. It only says that that's an opportunity for us to receive the fullness of what that person gave us. So that's one example of how that suffering or that pain can help us to really um, awaken to really receiving life. Um, the other thing is that if, if I were to be able to take away someone's pain from them, what that would mean would be that, um, that their life would become sort of hollow. You know, it would sort, sort of hollow out at that place where, where the pain was and is no longer. So it isn't my job as a therapist to take someone else's pain away. It is my job to help them to see their pain and to make sense of it, to be able to receive it and accept it and make sense of it in their lives. So uh, what I would say is pain is the pearl. You know, the oyster makes a pearl because a grain of sand gets inside and starts irritating the oyster. And the more it, irrit it, it is irritated, the more it secretes the mother of pearl, which is called mother of pearl, of course, because it is mothering a pearl. Um, and so the pearl is then developed. So that's what I kind of think of. If I see someone in pain, it is not my job to carry that pain for them. It is my job to help them to see that pain so they can create their own pearl. And so we're given opportunities at every juncture uh, with regard to suffering and pain 
to really begin to create something with it. It is a gift that we can use to create something for ourselves, a pearl for ourselves. And so if we have that philosophy that, A, we can't, we, it doesn't stop here, that we get lots of shots, that we may cycle and circle around the same material, but it's all part of the process, and that, in fact, even pain and suffering are a part of that process and that they can give us something wonderful, then, then we can, it's easier to accept life on life's terms. Now, that may not be your philosophy. You may completely disagree with me, and that is fine. But what I would encourage you to do is develop your own philosophy, a philosophy that helps you come to terms with life as it is. You know, as I've gotten older over the years, what I've come to understand is that life is what it is. People are what they are. You know, I'm in the people-changing business, but as even in the people-changing business, I will say to you that people don't change unless they feel like they have to. So I see all kinds of people come into my office and say, why won't he change? Why won't she change? You know, what they're really saying is, I'm going to hang into this relationship. I'm going to stay with this abusive partner or this, uh, this really bad uh, relationship with my parents and family, and I'm just going to keep bargaining. I'm going to keep trying to get it right. I'm going to say, if I, then they'll. If they, then I'll. I'm going to bargain with the realities of that relationship, and I'm going to tell myself all kinds of things that aren't true so that I can stay in here. And what I'm really hoping is that they'll change. So my bargain is, if I do this, they'll change. If I yell loud enough, if I push the right emotional button, if I, if I can just convince them, if I can preach the right sermon, if I can just hang in here and love them long enough, they're going to finally get it. And what I would say is that is not accepting life on life's terms. Because here's what we've got. We know the history of a person. That's what we've got. That's all we've got. And that's all we can go on. We can't go on, we can't rely upon an invisible future. We can't rely upon a fantasy that maybe they're going to change. We can rely upon their history. Now, they may change. It is possible for people to change. But like the old adage in my field, how many therapists does it take to change a light bulb? Well, six, but the light bulb's got to want to change. You see, that's the deal. A person has to want to change. So if, you, if we say... Um, I'm going to bargain and bargain and bargain, and finally something I'm going to do is going to push that little button and turn that little switch, and they're going to change. What we're doing is we're saying, I don't accept this reality of my life as it is. I don't receive it. I'm going to live in some future fantasy world where life is a lot better. And so we're not being grateful for what we have and learning from that experience, and we're not really able to receive the future evil either because it's not going to happen. So will, will that person change maybe? If they get in enough pain, uh, yes, they might change. But more than likely, the more you, uh, you are there bridging the gap for them, the less likely it is for them to change. So I would say what we have to consider is what have we got? Let me look at that. Let me receive it. Let me accept it. We're going to talk more about this after the break. We'll be back in just a moment. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. 
Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh. There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. It's a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit A-I-H-T dot E-D-U. All my love. What can you tell me about SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. web at skillsusa.org. Awakened media for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free. 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Welcome back to Authentic Living. This is Andrea Matthews. We've been talking today about gratitude and how we might uh, develop an attitude of gratitude Uh, You know, we talked about um, developing a philosophy that might help us to really find out how to receive life on life's terms. We also defined gratitude and said it was something different than trying to pile everything in our lives into uh, one of the two categories, either good or bad. So what we're doing is sort of breaking down those walls a little bit between those two categories and mixing and merging those two concepts a little bit so that what we have is not good or bad. It's neither. It's just life on life's terms. So one of the things we've talked about is the suffering. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about the blessings now. 
The hardest arithmetic to master is that which enables us to count our blessings. Eric Hoffer said that. Why do we think it's so hard to count our blessings? Well, mostly because we're counting our suffering as so much as weighing so much more. You know, we do that. We have this tendency to think in terms of, well, how many bad things have happened? Why do we do that? Well, I don't know why we do that, but I have a theory. And my theory is that we do that because we're still stuck in what I call the good-evil complex. We have an archetypal memory. That's a word Carl Jung came up with. It has to do with how we, as a collective, remember um, things that are, we all have in common, that we all share. For example, we all know what a broken heart is. Even though we may not have had one, we may all know what a broken heart is. Why? Because it's a collective memory. It's an archetypal memory. So in our archetype, we have this whole concept of good and evil. And somewhere way down in the unconscious, what we tend to believe is that we deserve punishment, that we deserve to have bad things happen. And it's this real paradox, I think, that we have that says, if I've been punished enough, then I must be beginning to be a good person now. And so we count up the number of bad things that have happened to us and say, okay, I've been punished here, 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 and here, so maybe I'm getting good now. Now, that's kind of a bizarre paradoxical path that we take, but I do think it's in our psyches, and I think it's in our collective psyche as well as our individual psyche. That's just Andrea Matthews' theory. Again, you don't have to agree with that, but I do believe it, and I do think that in that process of uh, sort of accepting uh, our punishment, so to speak, what we do is we say, you know, those things that have been bad in my life, they really count, but those things that are supposedly good, quote-unquote, in our, in our lives, well, they don't count as much because I didn't really deserve those things because, really, I'm a bad person way down deep inside. So we discount the good and we count the bad. Ergo, we make our lives more miserable. And uh, I don't think we're getting anywhere that way. It doesn't even make a whole lot of sense, but we do it. I do it. We all do it. And so uh, then, you know, we have to look at the flip side of that. If I'm counting my suffering as having much validity and much weight, and I'm taking for granted the, the good things in my life, what does that mean? Well, taking, for granted, it, taking things for granted is not a sin. It's simply a way that the mind adjusts to a current reality. We don't take things for granted because we've, we're bad people and we need to start not taking them for granted. We take them for granted because we've said, oh, well, that's happened in my life now. I don't have to work on that anymore. And I don't have to think about that anymore, so it's, it's already done. So let me move on to another future goal in my head. Let me accomplish that, and that will make me a worthy person. So you see, this good-evil complex is a big, 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 big deal. And we all suffer under its weight. And that's why part of my job, as I see it here on planet Earth, is to sort of break down the barriers between those two concepts because they're, they don't even make sense. We can't even really define good except in terms of what's not bad. And we can't even really define bad except in terms of what's not good. So, you know, we, we use those terms, and, and it's even hard not to use those terms in our conversation. I find it hard not to say, well, that's good or that's bad, too, because we just think that way. But we do take the good things for granted, and, and we do miss out on, on their essence that way. But we also miss out on the essence of the gift that is given to us through pain. And so what that leaves us is in a place of wanting. 
We want to be free of our pain, and we want to get to this next higher level of our lives. So well, what we've already accomplished is, yeah, that's nice, but let me move on. So I want to talk about wanting just a minute. You know, there's a passage in the Bible, Psalm 23, that starts off, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, how could that be true? Well, if you don't believe in the Lord, substitute, I am my shepherd, and I shall not want. Um, you know, if you do believe in some kind of higher power, whatever you call that, then, then ask yourself, what does this mean? What does it mean to say, I shall not want? Well, you know, it can be interpreted all kinds of ways, but if I've got a shepherd, whether it's myself or whether it's uh, some kind of higher power, then my shepherd is my caretaker. It sees to it, my shepherd sees to it, that I am not left without. I'm not left wanting. And so uh, the job of my shepherd, be it, like again I said, myself or some kind of higher power, is to make sure that my needs are, and my desires are met. And you have to know that I consider desires and needs to be synonymous. I don't think there's a difference. And I don't mean wants. I mean, I'm not talking about, you know, if I'm an alcoholic and I want another drink. Well, that's, you know, that's not the same as what I'm calling a desire. Desire is an authentic longing, okay? So our wants and our, desi- our, our desires and our needs are synonymous in my view. So if I say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, what I'm really saying is, I've got everything I need right this second. I've got everything I need and want right this second. Well, we can look around the world and we can say, well, not everybody has everything they want and need right this second. And on the surface, I would agree with you. And I can't experience somebody else's suffering for them, so I can't explain it for them. But I can say there is a gift in all suffering. I can say that because that's what I believe. You may not be able to say that because you may not believe that. But since I'm talking now and you're listening, I'm just going to tell you what I think. What I think is that all suffering is also a gift. It also brings us something wonderful that if we receive it, it belongs to us. So what we're really saying here is that gratitude is no more than a simple feeling of abundance. In other words, I've already got it. That's why Rhonda Byrne and her co-conspirators in the, in the secret project can clearly tell us that gratitude and abundance go hand in hand. But it isn't gratitude so that you can trick the gods into giving you what you want. As so many have, who have read that book have begun to believe, if I'm just going to work really hard at being grateful and then God will give me what I want. <laughs> um, it is really gratitude just because it's gratitude. It is acceptance. Gratitude is a form of acceptance. It's a form of receiving it's a form of really what I call savoring or relishing in a moment. You know, I can sit down and eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and read an article and not even know when I've gotten done with that peanut butter and jelly sandwich that I've read that, uh, that I've eaten it because I was so busy with the article that I didn't even pay attention to what I was doing with the other hand. So we do that a lot with life. We sort of absent ourselves from the experiences of our lives. And I think more than anything else, the authentic self is calling us to be present with the experiences of our lives so that we are here now, really being here now. It's like the old Buddhist adage, chop wood, carry water. Do what's before you to do. Be present with that doing as you're doing it. And that makes us alive. 
that brings us to home to ourselves. You know, when I practice doing this, I can literally feel my muscles begin to relax just by sort of getting myself into the moment. And one of the ways that I do that is to look around me and pick out a few things that I want to focus on and really look at the colors and the shapes and the designs, look at the space differential between me and that thing. And really just be in that moment, be in my surroundings, be there. And as I do that, my whole body begins to just relax. The first thing I feel is my shoulders drop. I have this tendency, like most of us, to sort of lift up my shoulders, you know. And so my shoulders drop, and then I begin to feel it go down my body, and I begin to relax. So that can be a part of meditation, is to be able to just kind of look around, take in the moment, receive it, savor its essence. And then there'll be another moment, and then another, and another. And that is living. That is being alive in the moment. And it is so hard for us to really do that. And when we talk to people about doing that, they very often say, oh, it's a nice Zen concept, but yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. But really, what we're saying is be present with your life. If life is about living, then how can you live it if you got one foot in tomorrow and one foot in yesterday? You know, the old AA saying, you got one foot in tomorrow and one foot in yesterday, you're pissing all over today. Well, that's a pretty graphic statement, but the, the fact is that is true. We're missing out on what today has to give us if we're all in the future or all in the past. So being here now really is part of this whole process of gratitude. And as we get here now, we begin to feel the abundance of what is here with us, whatever that is, whether that's suffering, whether that's pain. It'll also include some wonderful things. You know, one of the concepts we as Americans have in our Western culture is that you know, there's, something's either black or it's white. There's no in-between. And uh, we have a hard time accepting that gray area. And we also have a hard time acknowledging that if I'm suffering, I'm not only suffering. You know, if someone dies in my family, I'm going to grieve that. It's going to be very sad for me. But that doesn't mean that's all that's happening inside of me. We can experience great joy and great sorrow simultaneously. They may be about the same thing. Those emotions may be uh, happening inside of us as a response to the same thing. So if I lose my father, and I loved my father a great deal, and I was very close to him, I may be crying and yet remember some really funny times we had, and I'll be laughing and experiencing that joy while I'm crying and experiencing the sorrow all at the same time. You see, it's not black and white. It's not good and evil. It's about acceptance of the moment as it is right now. And we're going to talk some more about that in just a moment when we return after the break. This is Andrea Matthews with Authentic Living. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T, with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earned my Ph.D. in metaphysics. 
You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. Over there, over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, <laughs> she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, <laughs> no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. <laughs> Turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at PornLearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. This is Andrea Matthews. Welcome back to Authentic Living. Today we've been talking about gratitude because tomorrow is Thanksgiving. This is not meant to prepare you to get into a should modality about uh, giving thanks tomorrow, but it is a way of, of really kind of trying to recognize what Thanksgiving is, what is gratitude, how do we develop an attitude of gratitude. The Buddha put it this way, let us rise up and be thankful for if we didn't learn a lot today, at least we learned a little. And if we didn't learn a little, at least we didn't get sick. And if we got sick, at least we didn't die. So let us all be thankful. I like that because it carries humor. But I also think it's interesting that he says, let us all rise up and be thankful. And I do think there is a kind of rising up that comes to when we develop a feeling of gratitude because it is rising into our own authenticity. <coughs> Excuse me. It is saying, I'm really aware of what's happened with me today. I'm aware of what is happening with me right now. And I'm, I'm accepting it. I'm receiving it. And I'm taking the pain and I'm taking its gift and I'm taking the, the um, joy and I'm receiving its gift and I'm taking the mundane and the boring and I'm receiving its gift and I'm taking what life has to give me and I'm receiving it. And I'm, I'm, I'm listening to it and I'm savoring it. I'm accepting it. I'm, I'm really 
relishing in my life for what it is, not for what I think it ought to be, not for what I think I should be, but what it is. So many of us, when we get on a spiritual path, are trying, striving, working, trying so hard to get to this place where we can finally at long last say, I've got it, I've evolved, I'm awake. The process is ongoing. It is not one that I, I certainly haven't met anybody who's done. Now, I don't know whether you have or not, but I haven't met anybody who's done. And um, when I do meet that person, if I do meet that person, then I'm going to come and tell you about it. But until then, what I have to assume is the process is ongoing. And so we can't say, well, I'm going to get there, and I can't accept this, this me that there is in me now. I have to make this me better. That's a way of staying out of touch with the me that is in there. So really the process of, of, of developing authenticity is the same one as developing an attitude of gratitude. It is listening to yourself and accepting the messages that come from your emotions and your life and your activities to, to be part of your own process. And rather than seeing those things as good or bad or not good enough, not measuring up, you know, that, instead of seeing them those ways, to see them as part of the process. You know, kind of like an oak, an oak uh, acorn growing into an oak tree. We don't, you know, look at the way it's bending or shaping itself and say, oh, you're growing wrong. We don't go out in the yard and grab it up by the roots and say, are you growing yet? No, we say it is what it is. It's growing in its own pattern, its own process. It's doing its own thing. And that's, that's what we're doing as we evolve into our lives. We're waking up to who we are in a slow process. And it's sad but true that most of us were put out of touch with who we are by well-intended parents who taught us to be what everybody else wanted us to be, inclusive of themselves. But the truth is that is what happened. And maybe there's a reason for that. I don't even know, know what that would be, but, but maybe there is. And that, that is how it has been for us for centuries. Maybe one day we'll get to a place where all parents know how to mirror their children for who they are instead of trying to get them to be something else. But in the meantime, that's what we've come from. We've come from a psychology that says, you've got to get somewhere else. You've got to fit the mold. And what I'm saying here today is, no, you don't. You don't have to fit a mold. You are you. And your life is your life. And gratitude and authenticity imply that we are receiving life on life's terms. And we're see- receiving ourselves just the way we are instead of trying to get ourselves to be something different. So that's what we're talking about today. You know, gratitude may not make your situation any better. It may not make your family any more functional this Thanksgiving. But it can make you that time with your family more enjoyable. I remember the very first time I got it that I could sort of stand back and watch my family interact and kind of go, you know, that's really funny that they're acting that crazy, wacky way and just kind of be amused by it and not get all wrapped up in it, not try to correct it, not try to get them to be something different than what they are, but just kind of say, okay, that's them and that's, this is how it is and this is how we've interacted during the time we're together and so there it is. I don't have to be a part of it, part of a particular interaction if I choose not to be, but I can, I can observe, and as I'm observing, what I'm doing is sort of relishing in it. I'm savoring it. I'm letting it be what it is. Okay, so I'm not trying to say that um, gratitude, having an attitude of gratitude is going to automatically change your life, but I am saying that it will make it feel more full 
and more abundant, and it will make you feel more alive. So, and that is what life is for, is for really experiencing life. Life is not for trying really, really hard to get to some goal and missing out on today because we're trying really hard to get to some goal or living, living, trying really hard to be really, really good all the while we're repressing a lot of stuff we consider to be really bad. And so we don't even know ourselves that way and we split ourselves off with a great chasm between the good part of me and the bad part of me and the bad part of me only comes out when I'm not paying enough attention and it just comes blossoming out and scatters itself on the world and then and then I go, oh my God, put that back in there. I don't want that out there. I don't want anybody to see that bad person I am. And then, you know, after it's all over, we apologize and say, I just don't know what that was. I was beside myself. Isn't that an interesting phrase? I was beside myself. I was not I was not being in me. I was being beside myself. So, you know, that is how we do it. We do split ourselves off along the lines of this good and evil idea. And evil can be uh, brought down a few gradations to bad. And we see it as, you know, this is how life is. I'm supposed to strive to get somewhere, to go somewhere, to get better and be a better person. And, and all the time we're missing out on life. And we're also splitting ourselves off from ourselves. So we don't even really know what we're up to most of the time. So what I'm saying is different. I'm saying if we can learn to just be present with ourselves, just be present with ourselves in a moment, then we can receive what that moment has to give us. We can take in its gifts. We can listen to the voice of our own internal wisdom speaking to us. And some people would call that the voice of God. Some people call it their own voice. It doesn't matter what you call it. It can speak to you. And if it does, then... If we, ha- if we listen to it, we are waking up. We're growing. We're, listen- we're learning that we do speak to ourselves, and we have stuff to say, and it's important stuff, and that's a part of receiving life. So uh, standing back sort of in the observer mode with your family this weekend this, as you uh, celebrate Thanksgiving this weekend is one of the challenges I would give to you. If you could sort of just sort of stand back and watch and don't... If you don't want to participate, don't. If you feel aggravated and agitated and, and just feel like you've just got to control somebody, uh, I, would, I would challenge you to sort of hold the tension between not acting and acting long enough to listen to yourself and hear what you're saying. Then when you do that, you can receive that moment and get, take its gift. So that's your challenge for this Thanksgiving weekend, to, to sort of listen yourself, to be present with yourself, and that's gratitude. We're going to be back next week with Demetra George and Astrology and Your Authentic Self. Don't miss that show. You'll enjoy it. This is Andrea Matthews with Authentic Living, and we'll be back next week. And don't forget, if you choose to accept it, your job is to give birth to yourself. Bye-bye now. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.